I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It Podcast. Daily music advice and beautiful sounds coming at you daily. Coming at you daily. Beautiful sounds brought to you by, of course, Miles Davis. And on drums, a very special person, uh, someone that we just lost uh, in the global jazz community, Mr. Jimmy Cobb. And today we're just going to spend some time with Jimmy Cobb and some of his uh, seminal recordings. And I mean, just one of the world's greatest drummers. That's right, and uh, we realize it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, we we wanted to, well, we've just been kind of marinating on this loss a little bit uh, because it's so uh, it's so outsized, you know. And uh, because Jimmy Cobb uh, was ninety two, I believe, or ninety three, maybe even yeah. he was around for a while. He had a, a long and productive, and was playing right up till the end, you know, uh, playing great. And so it's it's always a little harder to even uh, accept when someone's not with us. But of course, the musical legacy is will always be with us, which is great. But I, I think on reflecting a little bit on Jimmy Cobb, Cobb's influence, uh, it becomes so much more apparent. You know, such a, a subtle master and so yeah. influential on 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 so influential in two big areas. I see one, of course, on drummers. You talk to any jazz drummer that came, that was around at the same time. Or later, you know, from when he kind of made a splash in the mid '50s, late '50s, all the way till now. But also, just uh, such a huge influence on the sound of a modern jazz recording. You know, um, so he was part of, and, and it wasn't just by luck. You start to realize that he was part of some of these just seminal recordings, like, and the fact that those recordings were seminal. So we we started, of course, with Kind of Blue, and we're going to branch out a little bit from there. But that recording, no Jimmy Cobb. No kind of blue, basically. For sure. When you think of Jimmy Cobb, what do you think of? Because the first thing that comes to my mind are quarter notes. Yes. You know, like like drummers practicing all these tuplets and 16s over 10s or whatever. Yeah. And this dude is just banking on a quarter note. Yeah. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. I don't think I, you know, I'm not sure that I've ever heard a swinging quarter note on with either brushes or sticks that that it's just a straight quarter note and, mm-hmm. and you know he was he was known stylistically to do a lot of ding 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 ding, ding. less ding 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 so but so much swing within those straight quarter notes which is yeah. very hard to do and so i think for kind of blue and then some other recordings and then you know he would branch and, and he always had his style and his sound and that's why people love to have him on these recordings um but he had an ability as, as we'll hear in some of this to really define the structure of whole tunes so mm. 
On this, he just defines the sound of it, I think, from a textural standpoint, which, you know, Miles was a master of te- uh, of texture, and, and Bill Evans and John Cl- I mean, you're, you're talking about some heavyweights up in there. It That's why he was such a, Jimmy Cobb was such a good fit in that band. Oh, man, incredible. But I just think in terms of, like, you know, Kind of Blue being this millions and millions of, and, and beloved record, millions of sales and stuff, I just don't see it with, and I'm talking about, you could put in some other, you know, Philly Joe Jones, uh, uh, Roy, Roy Haynes, great drummers, but I mean, for this very style, kind of a sound um, where subtlety that's being recorded really well is really um, uh, rewarded to the listener mm-hmm. and to the players, of course. I think Jimmy Cobb, you know, had something that was just so special. And luckily, a lot of other drummers and producers and other instrumentalists heard that and always wanted to bring that in. Even if the style was different, they wanted to bring that sound and that texture, that, that Jimmy Cobb sound. Well, let's get to some more music. What do you got? Okay, so next we're going to go to, and look, we got a Spotify playlist here celebrating Jimmy Cobb. Uh, we call it the Jimmy Cobb Open Studio Retrospective, just for fun. Mm. But this is just, you know, these are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of what could have been. Seven? Seven, yeah. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? <laughs> of what could be 100 or, or, or yeah. more tracks uh, that, I've never actually heard a bad Jimmy Cobb track. And uh, I've been having some fun going and checking out stuff that I never heard. But these ones are all kind of special and, and hopefully representative. Of course, they're heavy on the miles uh, because, you know, that's just... Yeah. That's just how it happened. But this next one is actually uh, West Montgomery uh, smoking at the half note. I love this record. There's another uh, West Montgomery. What is it? The one with uh, the other version of Four on Six, and I forget the name of it. That I'm blanking on now. That's that's kind of more known. But this one, um, Wynton Kelly Trio with West Montgomery, live at the half, smoking at the half note. I think is great. And this is actually Four on Six from that. <laughs> And you know, I think honestly, Jimmy Cobb and Wynton Kelly were a great combination. Because yes. talk about talk about two musicians who were playing things that we would think of. I mean, in, in, in comparison to someone like Herbie Hancock or Tony Williams, these guys are playing things that are relatively simple uh, in theory, and doing it at such a high level that it just it just seems so elevated. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like nothing they're doing there is is like a cluster with a and he's going like over the bar or whatever. It's just all very simple, but it's so hard to pull off in the in the quality that they pull it off. I mean, yeah. it really shows you that sound and feel are everything. Yeah, and, and and Jimmy Cobb always seemed to have like once I got a reference point for you know his career at his age when I was 
you know, younger and first hearing him, I was like, wow, this is, I, I love Jimmy Cobb, but you, you, you're, you don't have the reference point of like, he was very young on these recordings, mm-hmm. you know, and he had a long career, but he played with a real maturity and a restraint, uh, but a very, uh, you know, a very complex approach to, you know, nuance of sound. Like that was always in there. And that's why these recordings were like, and where he starts with those brushes, you can hear everything. I love that. I mean, yeah. you can feel, so the way that, that, you know, he's bending the brush on the snare drum gives that other sound. And, and his time is just so spot on and effortless. And, and, you know, he drives the band while relaxing the band at the same time. There's a lot of <laughs> kind of subtle uh, structural things that he's able to do that all great drummers do, but he does it in a way that's just so beautiful and, and complements what's going on so well. Uh, and then when he goes to sticks, also you, did you check out like his hi hat? He 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 was not always on the hi hat, always on two and four. You know, right. he was very like advanced in terms of like not having to rely on that to give it that forward momentum because his his beat, his quarter note beat, is just so strong. It's subtle though. It's so strong but subtle. And when you've got that that kind of intense feeling, I think that that's what you hear from a lot of drummers that they got from Jimmy Cobb. Yeah, it just becomes another drum, and that was. I mean, it's more common now, but very, very much ahead of his time uh, around this time. Let's check out the next track. This is My Shining Hour. This is John Coltrane. Yep. From Coltrane Jazz, John Coltrane, that's my shining hour, Jimmy Cobb, laying it down, man. I forgot, I don't want to say I forgot about that album, but we've been so busy with the uh, Crescent Love Supreme lately, just from the vibe of it. Coltrane Jazz stands the test of time. I know, well, I'm glad that you knew, like a lot of cats don't know about this, I don't know if it drifted off, but I had this LP and oh, man. I got it. Like I was actually still, I was like really into Wynton Kelly and like my entry point, but like John Coltrane, I was like, Ooh, he's so crazy. I don't know. McCoy Tyner. I like wasn't ready yet, but I got this one because <laughs> it was once again, the Wynton Kelly trio, PC, Paul Chambers and yeah. Jimmy Cobb on, on most of this record. Although there's a little bit of, um, uh, McCoy's on like a track and Cedar Walton. They had some other things, but the bulk of it is this trio too. And I just love the way, man, I, I love the way Jimmy Cobb played on this too. 